What's up, everybody? This is the Betrayed, the Addicted, and the Expert. My name is Brandon, and I am the Expert. And I'm Ashlyn, and I was the Betrayed. And I'm Kobe, the Recovering Addict. What you're gonna get is three unique perspectives on recovery and tools for hope and healing. All right, you guys, so let's talk about um, relapse prevention. So uh, we talk a lot about the difference between recovery and sobriety. And as we jump into this topic, I definitely want to make sure that we don't get caught up in sobriety land. And what I mean by that is, is focusing on sobriety as the end all be all of, of recovery because um, you can learn how to be sober, but you can still um, be acting out in your addiction and like, like a dry drunk, right? And so, but these tools are really helpful and really important for relapse prevention. Um, the fact of the matter is, is that this is a disease and your brain is used to going to something to deal with, with pain and you have to rewire your brain. And so the tools around relapse prevention are designed to um, rewire that brain and, um, and, and these tools really work if you work them. So. Uh, with that, uh, I just want to ask you guys first, what are some of your favorite tools? Um, what things have worked to help you either prevent relapse or catch yourself in that crucial moment to uh, choose something other than relapse? I mean, catching myself in, in that moment, I mean, has a lot to do with mindfulness, which which in and of itself is like immensely challenging. And, um, and so that's been a... Um, that's been a pursuit. I th- just looking back, when I like early days of recovery, when I first started individual and group, it was I don't know. It was it was a, it was a a battle for mindfulness. So so everything we talk about today is going to be about mindfulness, and so um, w- explain to our audience what mindfulness is. What's your understanding of mindfulness? So I, I mean I think that's a super fair question. Um, f- for me, I mean. <laughs> funny because we took a 12-week course on mindfulness <laughs> we should know this by heart we, we should know this by heart but i think mindfulness has application on in, in many different ways and in many different roles in life in um so so for example when i talk about mindfulness and recovery what i'm really referring to is i have a, i have a specific set of of dailies that i have to do i have some specific, specific boundaries that i have to hold I have specific like bottom lines that, that I live within. Uh, one of them is I don't take my phone into the toilet, the bathroom, and and so um, and then I also have um, I'm mindful of, of Spike and where he shows up because he's he's uh, he always leaves. I mean he's he's not really original. He leaves a lot of patterns that I can be mindful of. Mm-hmm. So so really my when I say mindfulness, what I really mean is is I'm I'm very mindful of executing on my dailies and I'm and I'm very focused mentally focused on my uh, bottom lines on my emotional triggers that, that, you know, stress and lack of sleep and so forth that really cause, um, that has in the past caused relapse for me. So when I talk about mindfulness, it's like this, this big cloud in the sky. That's like, what does that even mean? Right. right. But for me specifically with, when, when, as it relates to relapse prevention, it's specifically those things. I'm mentally focused and I'm consistent in my effort on those things. And that kind of mindfulness is, um, is real practical stuff. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, that's what that means. So uh, mine is that it's just connection with yourself so that you are 
able to recognize what you are feeling before you react. Yeah. Um, mindful, you're spot on, Ashton. Mindfulness is connection to um, the, the now. It's connection to this moment. It's being present. And so, um, you know, ask yourself, what does mindfulness have to do with relapse prevention? Um, you know, the brain, you, you get into your midbrain, your limbic system, when you're triggered, and your addict brain tries to take you out of the current moment. It works really hard to um, start to justify things. Or if you're responding in betrayal trauma, that trauma response, that it's a limbic system response that starts to wipe you out of the current moment. And what you're talking about, Kobe, doing your dailies and just your self-care, that helps you be more connected to you and connected to the current moment. And the more grounded you can be in that moment, um, there's a space between stimulus and response where you have the power to choose your behaviors. Yeah, I, w I can recall so <laughs> endless number of times when I would get a thought to act out and then there would also be this like faint voice in the back, like, no, don't do it, stop. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. But, but uh, I mean, you, at times you probably haven't had that faint voice where it's just been, I'm stressed, I'm tired, I'm bored. Uh, you know what, I just want to go to the computer and y your brain just goes th through the motions and uh, totally. you, en you end up relapsing. Um, if you can widen that space between stimulus and response, <clears throat> if you can get more mindful, then you can choose self-care over um, numbing out. And so all these relapse prevention tools are designed to do are to help you get connected to yourself and get connected in that, in that moment. And um, so that you can choose something different than what, what your limbic system is, is just pushing you to do. So if you can understand your thoughts and understand your emotions, you can change your behaviors. Right? Th that's something that I firmly believe in. And I think today's world, I don't know, Ashton, I want to get your perspective on this particular comment. But like everything in like our world right now, especially when it comes to the digital world, I'm talking social media, I'm talking, you know, Netflix, I'm talking, you know, whatever is designed to um, to force inputs in, notifications in, mm -hmm. that will either hijack me from my current state or foster mindlessness. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, what, what did you yeah. observe in my behavior about mindlessness with my environment, social media, movies, and so forth versus in, in recovery? Well, you don't have social media now, so he's a lot more mindful. Kobe is one of the most mindful people that I know. I'm more mindless because I'm a part of social media for us both. No, that's, that's not an all. That's not like a black and white statement because. But, yes, I have moments where I'm like, ah. Well, I still have those moments too, but. but that's not relapse. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, I don't know. Well, I, I think I think you can mindfully do social media. Uh, you can mindfully watch TV. Completely. You can mindfully eat. The, the, the point of it is this, is if I, let's take TV for example. If I mindfully watch TV, what I'm saying is, look, in this moment, what I'm, what I'm going to participate in, what I'm going to do is watching TV. And, and the mindless social media thing or with our phones that happens all the time is uh, you're having a conversation with someone or dealing with your kids and like you're on your phone kind of out here somewhere else, mm -hmm. you know, taking yourself away from it. Um, you can mindfully participate on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. Um, 
And so it's just, again, it's just being connected and participating in that moment and what's happening right then. And so I want to give you some examples of um, how relapse starts to develop and how it, how it makes you mindless and uh, what can bring you back to the moment and just specific tools that can do that. Um, what happens is there's triggers, right? So like, what are some, what are some triggers that you guys have? I mean, for me, um, lack of sleep, Oh, that, that's like super, super hard for me. Lack of sleep, discord with Ashlyn. Um, for me with your, what are the triggers from him? What are your triggers? Yeah. When it's food, as bad as that sounds, but like binging, binging on food and hiding it, right? Kobe hiding it, going to McDonald's and then never telling me like so scared. Um, uh, going, not doing dailies. You do that all the time, but it would be. Yeah. So let me, so, so what I'm hearing you guys say is Kobe, you're saying lack of sleep, um, discord with Ashlyn. Um, what I'm hearing is, is when you guys experience shame, when you experience fear, when you experience uncomfortableness, like fatigue, Mm. then you want to numb out. Right. Like I want to escape. Like this is too much for me. I can't like, like stress or discord with Ashlyn. Like I'm so uncomfortable. I can't handle this. So, so, so the addict wants to escape. Oftentimes the betrayed wants to control. And so we'll go to this place of heightened awareness and hypervigilance to control. And in our, in our episode about what do you do when the betrayed relapses, really that's what we're talking about is relapsing into that state of panic and control. Um, and you're mindless you're, when, you're, when you're acting in that state of mind. You're just, you're just reacting, right? And so um, when you, relapse prevention has to do with pain tolerance. Um, it's impulse control. It's being able to sit in what is, even if it's uncomfortable. And an addict doesn't like to feel pain, doesn't like to feel discomfort. And so if the, if the current moment, the present moment is very uncomfortable, that triggers relapse. And so relapse prevention tools help you to, to sit in the pain. Um, they help you stay on comfort, stay in that discomfort without needing to numb out. Um, and so let's get into some specific tools. Okay. Things that, that people can use to, to, to widen that space between stimulus and response. Um, so there's, there's two, two different parts to this. One is the prevention work. So there's relapse prevention tools. So it's not in that crucial moment of when you're triggered. You can set up things beforehand that are relapse prevention tools that will help you get mindful um, But when, when the triggers do come. So that would be something like a bottom line. Mm-hmm, totally. um, and, and so what do you want to explain what a bottom line is? Yeah, probably? I mean, I, I look at that. If, if I look at relapse as like the edge of the cliff, like me falling off of it, a, a bottom line or a boundary is going to be the efforts that, that I put in place to keep me as far away from the cliff of relapse as possible. Right. right? So, so for instance, for me, not taking my phone into the bathroom, um, I don't go into the basement, and watch a movie by myself with my phone. I, I don't ever do that anyways. Like even if I leave my phone upstairs, I just don't go do that. Um, I have another bottom line of charging my phone in the kitchen rather than next to my bed. Right. So I have these, yeah, I, I don't get on Facebook unless Ashlyn's in the room and it's only on my desktop. Like I don't have it on my, and, and I've removed, I removed Instagram and Facebook from my phone. And I do that because I know 
for sure. I mean, I mean, the the way that I figured out how to set those up is because those were always the things that took place that led to the instigators of the catalyst to relapse. Right. So, so bottom lines are set around danger zones. So, you know, like I had a guy this morning I was, I was meeting with and he said, I'm going to set a bottom line of, I have to be in bed by 11 PM. And that's because late at night he's tired. Um, when, if he gets on the computer, he's doomed. Right. And so, um, a bottom line though needs to be very black and white. There's no gray area because what will happen is the addict thinking will come in and start justifying little things. And next thing you know, the bottom line doesn't mean anything. Mm. And so if he says 11 PM, that means 1101 doesn't really work for him to go to bed. 11 PM. He needs to be in bed um, because um, he knows that there's a big danger zone after that. So wherever there's major danger zones, you want to set, set boundaries for yourself that will make you butt up against it and say, Whoa, I want to break that. Why do I want to break that? And how this works for the for the betrayed is bottom lines around around your relapse behavior. So you might know that you're triggered if I'll just make up an example. If Kobe goes out of town or something, which were you? No, no. Because I was with Brandon the whole time. <laughs> Thank you, Brandon. <laughs> um, but I know a lot a lot of wives, husbands travel and things like that, and so that they can set bottom lines around his travel. Of, I'm not going to hop on the computer and look at his history while he's out of town. Mm. Right? That would be a bottom line for her to say, I'm not going to spin out of control while he's out of town. Um, uh, some wives I work with have bottom lines of, I, I have to exercise three times a week because if I don't, then I'm not dealing with my emotions very well and I'm going to react and respond in, in unhealthy ways. So that's their bottom line. I have to exercise three times a week. So it's just setting things up for success and setting boundaries for yourself to protect yourself. And what happens with bottom lines, which is awesome, is if, if you're in a group where, where the, you're helping each other hold these bottom lines and there's accountability, all of a sudden taking your, your phone into the bathroom is like this big deal that you're processing with people. And, and, uh, and you know, you're talking about that, and that's far away from this cliff of relapse way yeah. over here. And uh, so you're mindful on that level mm-hmm. rather than falling off that cliff, yeah. right? And, and that was, for, for me, like, I had a consequence for breaking a bottom line because, it, like, that was just, that's what I did. And um, I, my consequence was to do 100 push-ups every time I, I uh, broke that because, I mean, it sucks doing 100 push-ups. And I had, I pushed the floor tons, tons. Yeah. I think it was, like, learning that new habit, too, of, like, not being mindful enough to remember, I can't do like this isn't safe. I can't do this right now. Totally. And so yeah, he had a lot of push-ups. Yeah, the push-ups were just an indicator that it's like that's how mindless I was. But but I do gotta say, Kobe, and you want to be careful with what you're saying because I had a client who who told himself every time I break a bottom line, I have to get up at five in the morning and run five miles, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and it was just this it was it was sheer punishment. Right. And and it's important that if you if you if you make a mistake that you don't answer that with shame and punishment and so you want to find our our really healthy natural consequences to a broken bottom line if you have no consequence that's a problem because it's like well what big deal i broke the bottom line but let's say my bottom line were i didn't i I don't want to take my phone in the bathroom right and then i catch myself like one day and then the next day and and i'm doing it 
not because I'm in denial. It's just I'm forgetting. I'm just so a good natural consequence for that would be, look, I forget a lot. I'm not very mindful. I have to do five minutes of, of guided imagery every day for a week because I broke that bottom line. Do you see how that meets the, mm-hmm. the crime, so to speak? Yeah, and, and, and to me, what you're saying is, is, is and this, is, this was a discussion I had all the time with, with guys, is like, we don't want this to be punitive. Right. Like, that, that doesn't serve anybody, nor does it serve you. Like, foster shame, like what you said. Right. But we want it to help be a means to, to create discipline and, and mindfulness. Yes. And, and so that might be five minutes of meditation. Um, for me, um, I didn't, I, I ch- end up changing it. <laughs> Oh, really? Actually, yeah, I ended up changing it because I had like this cue after like a couple months. I had a cue of like, I don't know, like 900 push ups or something like that. And I was like, okay, we need to change this. And so I actually went to doing. I, I bet you were getting ripped. <laughs> <laughs> I was, something was happening, but I changed it to actually doing um, sweeping and mopping the floor. Like every time I would, I would break a bottom line, like I did that because that's Ashlyn's, that's like the bane of her existence. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you, like that's the thing you hated the most, right? Yes. Okay. So that became, that became my consequence. And so, even, I mean, it's now the norm in our family. I was just like, yeah, it's just his to do. So it's not a consequence anymore. Yeah. But the point is, is like that, like balancing the difference between punitive and discipline and mindfulness is really the key for that. And it's yes. going to be different for everybody. Right. So, so with the bottom line, you want to set it on where your danger zones are. You, you, you need, if it's going to work, you need accountability around it. Yeah. So you need somebody else who knows what it is and you're checking in with them about keeping your bottom lines. Totally. So and not the spouse. No, mm-hmm. no, no. And uh, it's, it hopefully is a group member, a sponsor, a support person. And, and you know, some of these bottom lines would sound crazy to some people. It's like you can't take your phone in the bathroom. Most people are like, what are you talking about? I mean, we do that all the time. Like I'm in Target, Ashlyn, here you go. And I just, I, I don't even like say anything. I just hand, like extend my arm to Ashlyn with my phone right. in my hand. And she's like, okay, here. And, and so it's, that's just, that's how we live. Another recovering addict will be like, I totally get it. Like, yeah, of course. Like yeah. I'll support you in that. Right. Yeah. So you want to find that, that type of support system. Um, and then have a, a natural consequence that helps you learn from the broken bottom yeah. line. And, and if you have those things in place, then the bottom line is going to really support you in staying sober. Um, Cause the goal really is just to be mindful. Yeah. That, it, that's, it helps you wake up and like, Whoa, I'm yeah, pushing this bottom line. Absolutely. And, and that was, that was, that was hard for me. And in truth, like most of my activities, when I relapsed, like surrounded mindlessness. I know. And I think it goes for the, the, the betrayed as well as being mindful and learning how to do that. And I think the guided, I mean, we only learned that this, this year yeah, this calendar and year. we're that far into recovery it wasn't introduced to us early on at all right. but you know we were make we were doing those steps we just didn't understand that it was mindfulness to recognize the narrative in our head and to recognize when we were feeling triggered and those things all but yeah. yeah but really having guided help and learning how to do it i think is awesome and if you have that option i mean we all have youtube right you can you can Google stuff and find it really quick. Yeah. Um, there's a huge mindfulness push right now. If you right. go to the bookstore or like, is because what we're finding and the research is showing is that is to find peace and happiness. It's all about connecting to the now. And mm. so um, a lot of therapists are moving in that direction. And it's no surprise to me that relapse prevention has everything to do with mindfulness. Um, so speaking of mindfulness, let's, let's just run down um, a few more 
really solid tools for relapse prevention. Um, uh, another one is what, what I call a bookend. And what that is is knowing where your danger zones are and setting up accountability around that. And so, um, you know, things like um, going on a business trip would mm -hmm. be a good thing to bookend. And what that means is you make a phone call to a support person before the business trip and say, hey, I know I'm going into a, a dangerous place. I'm going to be staying at a hotel tonight. Um, I'm going to call you in the morning and tell you that I was safe all night. And so that way you know you got another set of eyes, so mm -hmm. to speak, on you. Yeah. And then you call in the morning and you check in and you say, yeah, it went well. So you've, you've bookended it on, on each end. Mm -hmm. And I've seen guys bookend walking in a, in a bookstore. Um, they've bookended taking a shower. Um, but but they, you can bookend all kinds of things that are, that are danger zones. Mm -hmm. And so it's having that accountability on both ends. So that, that whole traveling pit is super important for me because I, I mean, I spent three months of every year traveling internationally. And, and so um, when we talk about bookending, what, what I would also advocate too is having traveling bottom lines. And so the guys, I, I work with some pilots, work with people who travel. And um, so we set up things like traveling bottom line would include charging your phone in the bathroom rather than next to your bedside table, um, never turning on the TV. Which and request the TV to not be in the room or something, yeah, right? Totally. Or they'll remove the, the, they'll just give the remote control to the TV to housekeeping or take it back to the front desk. And also if you're going to access, if you're going to access any device for any kind of need, whether it's email, work, whatever, go downstairs in the lobby in, in, in the highest traffic area possible with your screen visible to the most amount of people and use the internet there. So to watch it, to watch a movie or whatever. So you're talking about a relapse prevention tool that's that's really important because um, addicts have this thing where um, when when you when you leave home, when you go on vacation, or somehow recovery is on vacation too. <laughs> you know, <laughs> totally, it's yeah. total rubbish. But that's exactly how I thought. Right, right. You're, you're talking about me. You know that, right? <laughs> or the former me. <laughs> right. And so so the tool here, and and I. To, to, to all the addicts that I work with, I talk about this, is have a travel plan in place. And, so, and that's what you're talking about, yeah. all these little things, but have it written out, um, have accountability around it, yeah. know b beforehand what, what you're kind of getting into, and then just keep that structure as you travel. And so have a travel plan in place, really important. Specific bottom lines when you go. Um, another tool that I've seen a guy use when he travels is what, what I call an emergency kit. And what that is is get a container and put things in there that motivate you and that waken you up. So um, maybe it's a, a three-ring binder or a little box or whatever. But if you put pictures of your family in there, um, a letter to yourself that maybe you've written when you're in a good, good place, uh, a playlist of good music, um, whatever motivates you, maybe pictures of Jesus or, and, and you can, you can take that stuff and, you know, put it on your nightstand. Um, I had a guy who would drape, drape it all over the TV in the hotel room when he would travel mm, yeah. and he'd use his emergency kit. But the point is to have tangible things that awaken you to say, yes, I am motivated. I don't want this. It'll like snap you out of that fixated, yeah. ritualized mental state. Cause I would be like totally and completely hijacked. Yeah. During like while, while I was traveling. And so having those things, I can totally see how that would like, wait, like snap me literally out of 
out of it. Right. And, and hopefully it can create a barrier for you. Like that guy who drapes it all over his TV. Yeah. He's got to go through, you know, two pictures of his children and a letter that he's written to himself and a picture of Christ. And then he can watch porn. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so it, 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 it wakens him up. Like, do I really want this? It stops him and, and helps him get mindful in that moment. Yeah. Um, so some, some other tools, and I'm trying to go through these quickly, and we won't get to all of them today. Um, uh, one thing that, that I'll talk about is what I call pain for gain. And what I mean by that, I don't, it, this isn't self-harm. It's not hurting yourself. It, but it's awakening your senses. And so if you are triggered, it's helpful to get mind. One thing to get that helps you get mindful is, is filling your senses. And so I've seen guys do things like um, walk around the block in the middle of the winter when it's freezing cold. Um, it wakes them up. Um, they'll go outside and, and pray on the concrete on their knees and, and feel the concrete on their knees. Um, other guys will grab an ice cube and hold it until it melts. And so they can feel that. I mean, it's freezing cold in their hand. All of a sudden, they're not, they're not thinking about touching their penis. They're thinking about <laughs> touching that ice cube, right? Um, it's awakening them like, whoa. Um, and so, so to just have a few things that, that will awaken your senses, things like smells are really good, you know. Mm. Um, oils and um, candles and things can awaken you. And so use your senses to, to waken yourself up. So have, have specific things that you can do to do that. You know, if you wake up in the middle of the night and you're really triggered, like mm. have certain things that, okay, I want to wake myself up here so that I can get mindful. And that's a really hard one because obviously when you're up in the middle of the night, it's like you're potentially like hijacked with sleepiness, with fatigue, with just being, you know, drowsy. Oil, lavender oil or something right next to your bed. And yeah. That can certainly wake you up. Go back to or like smelling salt if all it fills. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that's a good idea. So uh, another tool, I'm just I'm just trying to plow through here, yeah. you guys, yeah. uh, is the stop mantra. Do you have a stop mantra in place, Kobe? Oh. You need a stop that? mantra in place. You, you both need a stop Tell mantra. Tell me what it is. Maybe we have one. <laughs> <laughs> what it is is um, when you find yourself triggered. So this is for the crucial moment. This is when it's like, oh, like I'm in a trigger. Okay. Um, say stop out loud. So it's stop and then have a quick little mantra of truth. So it might be, I'm beautiful, or I love my family, or um, I'm a son of God or something that's true. Okay. Um, and the reason why you want a quick mantra that's true is because when you're triggered, your brain is, is, is preparing itself to trick itself. It's, it's trying to go into denial. Um, it justify things and so 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 you have a, a, a an affirmation or a mantra of truth and then that triggers um, five things that you need to do and they're the same five things every single time so what you're trying to do you're trying to condition your brain that when the trigger happens you know like okay this is what I do I walk through these steps and um, and I know exactly what they are and so the first step it should be breathing and the reason is is because mm. breathe you can hopefully you can breathe in any situation i would hope that's the truth <laughs> um but like mindful breathing so okay i'm gonna stop um i'm a son of god now i'm breathing for two minutes yeah. all i'm gonna do is breathe okay the trigger might still be there after i breathe for two minutes so the next thing 
and now you can you can put whatever you want for, for these five things, but they need to be in the same order and the same five things every time. Um, there needs to be an element of mindfulness breathing. So I'm going to give you three that need to be in there. So you can put two other ones that you want. Okay. Um, the other things that need to be in there is usually you want the order of these things to increase in intensity. So first I'm just breathing for two minutes, right? The next thing I might do is listen to a song that motivates me and, and, and helps me get mindful. Um, the next thing, which is one of the essential things you need in there, is I'm going to make a phone call and reach out to somebody. I'm going to call somebody. You're going to speak it. I'm going to speak it. I'm going to be honest, and I'm going to say, look, I'm triggered right now. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm having a hard time with, okay? Um the next one um, could be exercise. And, and this is another one that I'd encourage you to put in there for sure. It's because exercise is a release and, and it awakens you as well. So maybe you just do 10 push-ups or, or walk around the block or whatever it is. But move. Hold low plank for two minutes. What's that? Hold low plank for two minutes. <laughs> I, I couldn't do that, to be honest with you. Ashlyn can, but I couldn't. Seriously, that would be a good stop mantra activity. Yeah. Like, dang it, I got two minutes now before yeah. I can masturbate. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Or scream. Whatever, whatever your yeah. relapse is. Yeah, or scream or freak out or I got two minutes of low plank first. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, so exercise. And then the last one, hopefully, is something that can really waken you up. And that might be um, writing in your journal you know, two pages of all the consequences of the behavior that, that you're, you want to do. Mm -hmm. So you're at least mindful of what you're choosing. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I want to, I want to freak out at my husband and, and just, just berate him and all this. What are the consequences of that? That's what I really want to do. Right. I want, mm -hmm. I want to act out. And so journaling that out can be really helpful. Um, so, so, but, but you can add in any mindfulness tool mm -hmm. to, to the end. Really, there. what you're saying is just like let's let's prevent the the hijacking. Let's let's stop the hijacking moment in its tracks right. with these five tools. That's essentially what you're saying. Right. Exactly. But what I'll do with my groups is I'll I'll, I'll play stop mantra roulette where I go around the group and I just point at a guy and he has to say stop one two three four five and just give it to me he knows exactly what he does mm -hmm. in that crucial moment and it's important that it's that automatic mm -hmm. um, because if it's not a guy who's never who's written down a stop mantra once and never used it in that crucial moment he's not gonna be like oh what's that stop mantra thing mm -hmm. um, cool. it, it needs to be in place and it needs to be practiced so that which so is that also in and of itself an exercise of mindfulness yeah. yes. to just know it right yes and and you know i i have guys um write it out sometimes they'll write it out with their non-dominant hand to try to remember yeah. it um, but practice it even when you're not triggered yeah. like just go through the motions of it even when you're not triggered so that you condition your brain you know it's awesome in that moment when you're stressed or bored if your brain's thinking, okay, I gotta say stop and breathe for two minutes yeah. rather than I gotta get to that computer to act out. Totally, right? totally. I think Ashlyn and I, we've probably been more on the side of prevention um, on this, meaning like preventative me measures. Well, we Not did, that we don't we have those things. Of those things. So I just didn't, I'd never heard of that to be honest with you. And so I think it's awesome and I love the idea and I think it works with like everything in life, not just a relapse, mm -hmm. it's. For sure. That I, whole you've been super mindful though, Ashlyn, about having like for instance you have, you have a shame partner, and that certainly comes. Yeah, into I mean it's that whole idea which of is totally one of those. So I do. I breathe, yeah. and then I I do affirmations, and then I speak my shame. Yeah. So, so I just need two more. Yeah. 
you just haven't formalized your stop mantra. You have one. Yeah. So I already do it in the same order. But and and the preventative stuff is is working out. It's taking time to to do dailies each day. And having bottom lines in, in place has helped us, I think, as far as a preventative measure to help. That's not to say that we don't get to the... Yeah, to the, I mean, to the, our the, dailies are our lifestyle. So it's not like this uh, right. thing. Right. And we've chosen to have it be that way. And so although we don't classify ourselves as like, you're the addict for the rest of our life, even, and I'm the betrayed for the rest of my life, it's a part of our story for the rest of our life. Right. And we'll always be preventing I'm so glad you guys are bringing up dailies because all these tools are awesome, but if you don't have the capa- the capability to work them, you're not going to work them. And yeah. so to me, the prevention work is the most important part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, if your life is way out of balance and you're not getting any sleep yeah. or you're eating horribly or um, just just things, then, then when the triggers come, you're going to have a really hard time tolerating that pain. Yeah. Um, but if if you got it in balance and you're taking care of yourself and you're practicing self-compassion, then the triggers will come and you'll be able to just kind of see totally. it and deal with it. No you can't problem. always have the defense on the field. And it, like defense can't always be in the field. I mean, you can't always just wait for the next line drive to well, come at you. That's not a way to live life. No. It's not mindful. It's living in fear. Like just waiting blah. for the next one to come. Yeah. So the preventative stuff for us has been hugely hugely important and the cool thing and, is is we've done it, it has, together well and it has been this happy i don't know we're the happiest we've been in all the years and our life is like a 180 from where it used to be where it looks happy you know right and so it's it's that it's the but day. it makes us more apt and more mindful because we're super focused on putting the offense in the field and doing dailies every day that means that it, it requires, the, 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 the triggers are less drastic mm-hmm. because we have more mindfulness because we've already executed against our, our dailies. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Your best, your best defense is a good offense. No question. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, right. well, glad you guys are here. Um, if you've liked this, please share. Please hop on and give us a review as well. Just grateful for you guys being a part of this. I mean, I know. this journey is awesome. I when we come and do these podcasts, like right before we share some of the feedback we've gotten for the week, and it's it's just cool. We honestly started this for like, we don't know what we're doing, and we don't really know what we're going to do with it. And so it's amazing to hear how people are finding it and how it's helping. So thank you. And uh, just a couple things. Uh, Ashley and I, we were talking before this. We're talking about relapse. Um, refer back to our episode, you know, what, what do you do if, if he relapses? And uh, one thing that's important, uh, an important relapse prevention tool is a post-relapse prevention plan and Mm -hmm. and to learn how to cope with relapse after it happens. And um, another thing I want to mention is is our awesome workshop on July 29th Mm -hmm. uh, in Provo. And check it out at our website, um, betrayedaddictedexpert.com or on our Facebook page. So it's going to be a great experience and it's super intimate. And so if you've wanted to just sit and hang out, ask questions, share your experience, have a dialogue, find other people, <laughs> find other people for sure, yeah. then this is going to be just a, an incredible experience, an incredible opportunity to just rub shoulders with other people who are in the same boat, but also to ask questions from the expert and to see what, what we've gone through ourselves to, to turn things around because there's always hope. Absolutely. All right, guys, thanks for being here and uh, we'll see you again.